Five minutes it is before the uh, top of the hour uh, here on uh, Metro FM Talk. And of course, we're about to go into our business wrap, but uh, just maybe wanted to draw your attention to that uh, school war cry challenge. Certainly my money when it comes to that one is on uh, Queen's College in Apekwamani. And uh, if you have a problem with that, uh, go argue with your faves. Uh, I do think that uh, from a war cry perspective, uh, the bragging rights, uh, once that thing is over, uh, will uh, come back to us. And uh, of course, if it's not Queen's College in September, but Dale College are going to uh, certainly show us up uh, on that particular one. But if you want to talk about that, also let me know. And uh, if, if you have some favorites that you think are in line for that uh, school war cry challenge. And of course, you can share that with our uh, colleagues at uh, SABC Sport. And uh, let's shift our attention now to uh, uh, the big stories in the business world. Our President Sir Ramaphosa and uh, his deputy David Mabuza receiving a report yesterday from an advisory panel on land reform and agriculture. And uh, the panel was appointed in September 2018 to advise the Inter-Ministerial Committee on Land Reform, chaired by uh, Deputy President David Mabuza on policy matters, land reform, restitution, redistribution, tenure security, and agricultural support. Now, yesterday as well, uh, we saw data coming out from AGBIS, revealing that the AGBIS IDC Agribusiness Confidence Index fell by two points to 44 points in the second quarter of 2019. I'm now joined uh, by uh, Chief Economist at the Agriculture Business Chamber and uh, one of the members of this uh, advisory panel here uh, appointed by the president, and that is uh, Wandi Leslobo. Kangaba, good evening to you, my brother. Good evening. Ah, it's very good. It's very good. Thank you, baby. Good evening. Ah, I'm going to talk about it. 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 And uh, I know you can't reveal much, but maybe let's start off here. What, did it, what is it that you can reveal? Uh, about the work of the panel because I'm quite interested. Uh, I was trying to search for, in terms of reference here, you know, just to get a sense of uh, uh, the issues here before uh, this uh, report is released uh, publicly. But uh, wh- what was the nature of the work that you guys were tasked with in this panel? And uh, if you could just maybe speak briefly uh, without going into any detail about, of course, what the deliberations involved. Sivilba, Beguko, network streams that you were divided into. Just maybe explain some of that for us. No, I mean, uh, look, uh, given that the report has not been tabled uh, to cabinet yet, I wouldn't get into details of it. But what I can say is that it looked broadly to the agri- to the land reform story, not only on the agricultural side. Sure. It's land reform and agriculture, meaning that now the issues of urban housing were taken care of. And uh, it also looks societally at large to say what what must be happening, beneficiary selection, and all sorts of things. And there's a mm-hmm. number of instruments that have been put in there. And maybe to put people at ease, I would say also that there was a careful uh, look on these things. Uh, so uh, I think whatever that will be uh, put out when the president is ready to do that, he will add uh, some bit of meat on pushing South Africa forward. Mm-hmm. I think that we dedicated uh, some bit of time to, to ensuring that we contribute mm-hmm. to some progress uh, for, for, for the country or in there. Now, uh, in, in your own informed view, uh, and of course in relation to what I want us to also discuss, uh, which is uh, this uh, Agribusiness Confidence Index that you guys put together at Agbiz alongside the IDC, uh, in your view, uh, certainly because we won't let us win a little bit, in your view, uh, do you think that that report will at least give one, in the first instance, some guidance as to, I guess, uh, how land reform should unfold in South Africa. But in addition to that, also restore some of the uh, confidence uh, within the agriculture ecosystem here, which, of course, uh, seemingly has taken a knock. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. Because the report on its own was to say, uh, what 
can we do as a country to ensure that we implement land reform in a sustainable way, uh, which will obviously give us some major goals. For example, there will be restorative justice, and at the same time, there will be inclusive growth and job creation. So I think what will be coming out there will be able to push the sector forward in terms of ensuring that at least there is some bit of confidence, but mm. also maybe putting a spotlight on some of the areas that are untapped, which we could begin now to tap to make sure that there is some productive use of those uh, yeah. pieces of land. Okay. So I, th- I think it will help. I think it will help. I mean, uh, you uh, put out uh, on the same day where this uh, report was received by the president, um, uh, the index which revealed, of course, uh, that uh, it's uh, fallen by two points to uh, 44 index points in the second quarter of 2019. And I remember, I mean, uh, just sometime last week speaking to you on Twitter about when uh, the output numbers came out. And uh, in the agricultural sector, uh, such that it had such a major drag on uh, 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 GDP growth and uh, to see the contraction that we saw of 3.2%. And it seems that this, of course, is also a mirror image of that. But now for the second quarter, indicating a decline uh, in the confidence of some of the big players here in the agricultural sector. What, what drove this and what accounts for this, John? No, I think uh, in brief, the two things that uh, uh, drove this, the, the uh, unfavorable agricultural conditions, the weather which has led to a lower output, is one factor, as you rightly said, that it weighed on the fortunes of the agricultural sector. But the second part relates to the policy side, because while there are structures that which we're working on on land reform, people have not been privy of what that information entails. And they still seem to be say, asking questions themselves to say that land reform remains an overhang which is why I think that now that these processes are unfolding nicely, as soon as the information hits the ground and people Mm. are clear where the policy direction is going to be, maybe we might begin to see a change in sentiment. But possibly the quick point that I'm happy about is that while sentiment has, has been down, but at least on a fixed investment on agriculture, we haven't taken a knock, mm. which means that if any positive message could come up in a progressive way, then investments would only maybe go one way, which would be up. Mm. Uh, so I'm still happy about that, that there's no disinvestment and people running away. And then I'm to environmental and climate issues, because last week, um, and it seems that it continues to be something that is front of center as people make their investment and employment decisions on the countryside. Yeah, and uh, I think on the business day, one of the things I was referring to is what government has put up on a, on a, on a climate change stuff. They put up a framework last week, uh, which each and every sector of the economy might be looking at and saying, how do we adapt and what are some of the other mitigating measures that we need to take as a country? But obviously, this is something that needs to be looked at at a global scale. But I do think that South Africa is participating on that. But above than that, I think technological ad- uh, adoption might assist the sector and also outside of agriculture, the other sectors on coping with the climate change story mm. because it is a real threat. And that's the one thing that weighs on on the sector heavily. And uh, we seem to be having, uh, at least for now, limited control of that. And mm. I think let's look at technology and see what we can do. Mm. What are some of the things that influence business decision-making in the agricultural sector, be it the decision to invest or the decision to expand production and by extension, of course, to get more uh, uh, warm bodies 
uh, to be working, be it in the fields or even when it comes to, to sort of livestock rearing, animal husbandry, that kind of thing. What, what influences in the countryside? Uh, because I think when we look at uh, agricultural employment in the sector, uh, it, it's quite clear that we're far from our potential and what we could ideally be doing when it comes to employment. And uh, many people are asking themselves, what are the considerations that come into play when big decision makers in the agri-business space are making some of these decisions? No, I mean, look, uh, for example, when we're working uh, on these indices to, to assess on what they think about expansion and, and growth, they, they, we look at their turnovers to say where they already operating uh, as well as their market shares in there. Is, are, they, are they seeing some positive numbers? Because that begins to give you an indication if they can manage those pieces of land, then they will be more willing maybe to, to, to expand elsewhere. And then agricultural conditions, which include the weather and all of the other agroecological conditions, soil, moisture, and all of those things, those gets to be important. They account for that. And also some of the capital that they might be having for investments. But then when you begin to think about investments, uh, you are working with agriculture. Land gets to be important. Mm. Infrastructure in the areas where they should uh, expand to gets to be important. So those are some of the little things that people really uh, pay closer attention to. But obviously they also have to pay attention to what anybody who's in the financial sector bears attention to on the issues of how the macroeconomy space is going about. Mm. Because many of them are borrowing. As you know, Kasibe, agricultural debt, for example, this year is about, what, $168 billion. Mm. Uh, Large part of these operations are financed by debt. How much of that is with the land bank? How, How much of that debt, Jola, is with the land bank? Land Bank is probably having uh, roughly about 20, 20, 20%, 20 to 25% of that debt. That's Land Bank. But a larger portion of that, uh, just around about 65% is commercial banks. Mm. And then you have another 5% being uh, their co-ops and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Now, the other thing I wanted to ask you, I mean, uh, you did indicate that a lot of... Uh, the guidance that will be provided in this uh, advisory panel report will certainly allay some of the anxieties and the concerns that many uh, players have had, which have weighed heavily on this particular index. But uh, I'm quite interested in uh, what you think are the two or three things that we ought to be doing in the sixth administration. One, to uh, return confidence into, into the sector, but also two, to have some form of uh, uh, um, social justice and equitable transfer of land here in yeah. the context of great landlessness among our people and land hunger, least of all in the urban context, and maybe also when we think about urban food production, what, what are some of the things that we should be considering that uh, should inform how uh, Togotitis and her ministry and uh, the sixth administration more broadly uh, uh, is able to treat this particular matter? Yeah, I think, I think the, the, the key one is the one that you have rightly explained now, because my worry was that even now that agriculture and land reform have been put together, mm. we should turn an eye and start making land reform an agriculture issue. We have serious problems for people on uh, urban settlement where they need some, some places to stay. So by virtue of that, let's, let, let's remember, and I would wish that Minister Tadiza would work closely with Mama Sisulu as well as Umamu Uzuma on these things at Kokta so that at least there's a clear coordination between water affairs and Kokta and, and the land. And the other thing that they would have uh, to, to, to pay attention to, uh, as far as I, as I can tell on this, uh, the issues of climate change uh, from agricultural side, she will need to pay attention on that, but also international trade. Uh, we've been experiencing a lot of stuff right now, for example, there's wool that is worth around about 870 million rands sitting in Epai, 
it needs to go to a China, but it can't go now because of some of the biosecurity issues mm. that needs to be cleared up and uh, assisting on international trade. And the other thing, Josibe, is that when you look at agriculture, let's face it, in value terms, mm. we export at least about 49% of what we produce. Yes. So if you are increasing on the production, you need to be strong on trade. Sure, and sure. I do think that she needs to pay attention on that, and, and I believe she will. Last one, Guanya, on my end, before I let you go, uh, one of the big things that have certainly over the last few months or so you've written uh, quite, uh, uh, I guess, insightfully about has been Ikubalabatwa uh, um, and, of course, the potential that La Pondoletula Zambuma Colony has uh, when it comes mm. to the production and, uh, of course, the cultivation of uh, uh, hemp and cannabis and, of course, uh, for uh, a CBD production here, which it seems uh, has been uh, sort of um, decriminalized in a way, uh, certainly for medicinal purposes. And I'm quite interested yeah. when you look at the uh, employment and job creation potential of uh, that particular cash crop or grain production in that province, which has the highest uh, unemployment uh, if we're comparing sort of province for province uh, across the country. Uh, I, maybe what are some of your views there and what do you think should be front of center in the agenda of uh, the Ministry of Agriculture when it comes to that? No, I mean, look, on the senior staff, at the senior staff at the department, I have laid uh, that, that on. Uh, they are director general and stuff. They pretty much uh, well aware on that. And even the, the, the previous minister was already working on that. And I think they realized the fortunes that people can get from cannabis and hemp and all of those things. So I do think that South Africa should move uh, more forward on that. But our, our focus should be more on medicinal and mm. also on anything that we can put on international trade side. I think that we were short-sighted uh, by decriminalizing for personal use, which is on the leisure side, which is all good and well for those who are in that space. But I think let's try to move more where we can extract value, mm. particularly for those areas of the Eastern Cape, KZN, yeah. where this crop uh, somehow has been uh, there for quite some time, mm. uh, at least from according to our studies we've recently done with the guys at Stellenbosch University, sure, sure. where we're looking at those areas. And, and I do think that... Uh, the new administration should look in those, in those crops. And the messages that I'm hearing, mm. uh, there seems to be some interest uh, on, on looking closer. You know, is, is it mutually exclusive, Chola? Um, I guess, of course, the regulation of the medicinal side vis-a-vis -vis the rec uh, regulation of the recreational side. And the reason why I ask that is because I think there are major export markets, even on the recreational side, if you think about sort of uh, the uh, Californian coast uh, in the U.S., if you think about... Uh, mm -hmm. Amsterdam and many other places, even in Latin America, who potentially could be export markets uh, for uh, the kind of, uh, uh, you know, I guess cannabis products that we would produce here in South Africa. Uh, should we be probably not approaching, I guess, the regulatory uh, conversation from a medicinal and a recreational perspective in parallel? <laughs> Yeah, I think we can approach it more broadly like that. Mm. But for me, my worry is that uh, it's for us uh, that we might be tempted to be short-sighted because every time you bring this conversation to some people, mm. they tend to be biased and saying, no, 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 no. Uh, this thing will end up on a laser side and it's I not see. good uh, for whatever reasons they, they, mm. they put up. But if you look at the level of investments that Lesotho has been, has been getting, mm. uh, China, for example, last year on hemp alone, they got around about $2 billion on the hemp production going to their textile industry. So you can imagine the fortunes on the Transkei area, Post and Jones, mm. Lucy, Lucy, Deflexa. There's a lot that can be done in, in those areas. And, and obviously, attracting those investments from outside, the Canadians mm. have been very keen to come to these markets to work with us. I think that we, we can extract some value and empower those areas. Mm. Uh, 
elsewhere across the country because I think you are correct if you look at the investments that have been attracted in Lesotho and even there uh, in uh, the uh, IDZ in Richards Bay uh, where one of the productions there alongside the Canadians is certainly, uh, of course, uh, bringing some fruit there. But we'll have to leave it there, my brother. Always a pleasure to catch up with you. And until we uh, uh, meet up and chat again, uh, that there is uh, Wandi Lesihlobo, Chief Economist at the Agricultural uh, Business Chamber. Come now and get your alam shobam. Thank you.